Uh, the scripture for this evening comes from the book of Joel, chapters two, chapter 2, verses 1 to 17. It can be found on page 1414 on your pew Bibles. It says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, like dawn spreading across the mountains, a large and mighty army comes, such as never was of old, nor ever will be in ages to come. Before them fire devours, behind them a fire blazes. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden, behind them a desert waste, nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses, they gallop along like cavalry, with a noise like that of chariots they leap over the mountaintops like a crackling fire, consuming stubble, like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them, nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. They charge like warriors. They stale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from their course. They do not jostle each other. Each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into the houses like thieves. They enter through the windows. Before them, the earth shakes. The sky trembles. The sun and moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty are those who obey his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep before the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Joel wrote this as a warning to the people of Judah. He was writing at the time of a plague of locusts, where the entire land was covered in black because of the locusts which ate and ravaged all of their crops. There was nothing left. And so at the beginning of the book, he asked the elders of Judah, has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? And it turns out the answer is yes. About 50 years earlier, within the memory of some of the living Israelites, the massive Assyrian empire had descended on Israel like locusts as punishment for their many sins, pillaging and burning and destroying until they looked quite a bit like locusts, and there was nothing left. In the end, most of Israel was deported away from their homeland and had to live in Assyria as not much more than slaves. It was brutal. By some miracle, though, the Assyrian army was halted right at the doorstep of Jerusalem as the angel of the Lord single-handedly defeated them overnight 
and the king of Assyria had to flee with his tail between his legs. Somehow, God spared a remnant of Israel, and that's the remnant that Joel is talking to. He's saying, remember what happened before? This plague of locusts is supposed to remind you, because you're heading down the same path that brought the Assyrians here in the first place. And next time, you might not be so lucky. You see the image of the swarming army coming to take out Jerusalem, and it looks pretty similar to the swarm of locusts. They run and they climb, and there's nothing anyone can do to stop them. Israel had failed and failed and broken its law with God over and over, and God brought them within an inch of destruction. And nevertheless, they persisted in sin. And God gives them a glimpse of this horrifying image and says, this is what it will look like if you don't change your ways. It will be total, systematic, and unstoppable destruction. And worst of all, God wouldn't be there to miraculously save the day at the last second. Instead, he would be at the head of that very army, the one that's descended like a plague of locusts to destroy Israel. It says, The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? It's his camp, his army, that's going to descend on Israel. Joel paints a picture of a situation that's hopeless. The enemies look like they're at the gates, and there's nothing that can stop them. But then Joel opens the door just a little bit. He says, Yet even now, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Forming an army and resisting is a fool's errand, but true and honest repentance is the only thing that will save them. And who knows? Maybe God will save them in the end, just like he did before. We may not want to admit it, but every single day we're in a very similar situation. The enemies are always at the gates, ready to take us. And it is solely by the pleasure of God that we remain alive. The purpose of Ash Wednesday is that we remember our mortality. One day, all of us will die. Later on in the service, you'll come up to the front and I'll place ashes on your forehead and say, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. There's no place in pride for this. The world existed long before you and might, might just exist long after you. We don't often think of death in this culture. People don't often die young, and the animals we slaughter for our food are kept in their pens in some factory far away. But the mortality rate still continues to hover around 100%, and it might be good for us to actually take that into account. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Our bodies are complicated and fragile things, and something could go wrong at any second. The enemies are always at the gates, and we are never far from destruction. Whether we will die or Jesus comes again, the day of the Lord comes quickly and without warning. But even now, we can repent of our sins. The text says that God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. 
even the slightest whiff of imperfect and pitiful repentance is all it takes for God to have mercy. God takes no pleasure in wrath, and it is the essence of his character to be good to us even when we are evil to him. We move our toe toward him, and he runs the entire way to us. And this was confirmed when he became, came from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus Christ to cleanse us of our sins and to take our tiny, pitiful steps toward repentance and to make them complete and perfect. Because God is faithful and loyal to us even when we have never been faithful to him. So as Lent is now beginning, let's take these 40 days to listen to God, both individually and as a church. Let's examine ourselves and really think about the habits that we do that keep us from God and what harms our witness to the world. And we can be confident that God will receive us with open arms because it's the essence of his character and it's in his very nature. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents from bringing disaster upon us, even when we most deserve it. And if we turn to him in repentance, it is entirely within his character to forgive us and raise us up from the dead and from the dust of the earth, just as he raised Jesus from the dead. Amen.